You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start thinking about getting our trail cameras out and start capturing pictures of this velvet antler growth that we all obsess about. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cam companies in the industry. Now until July 12th, when you purchase any camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information. Welcome to the For Love of the Land podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. Each week, we're interviewing guests from across America. They all have one thing in common. They all are tied to the land. So if you're like us and you love all things land, welcome home. Hey, guys. Welcome. Uh, another For Love of the Land podcast. Adam here. Matt is here. What's up, and everybody? We have a great thing lined out for you guys. We're going to make this short and sweet. Um, right to the point. Yes, it's kind of the, uh, we're gonna knock through these uh, because it is Father's Day. Now we celebrated last week, but we're actually recording on night of Father's Day. Matt and I traveled several times this week, so uh, we're just now getting around to it. But we wanted to make sure you guys got two podcasts this week, and this one is titled Five Things That Hurt Resale Value on Recreational Properties." Um, a lot of our listeners. Uh, either own land or have the dream of one day owning land. Um, we have a lot of people that talk to us about buying a small property, fixing it up, selling it, and then buying a bigger property and, and on down the line until they get their dream property. Um, and there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to buying recreational property. Uh, Matt and I are both real estate agents. So uh, we do this not only with the consulting side where we're seeing these properties being purchased, we're helping people find the right property to purchase, but we're also real estate agents helping people uh, right here at home um, go through the whole transaction of, of buying a property. Um, and so we see Buku's amount of um, recreational land. Lots of recreational land at different points in the game. Like you said, we, you know, we, a lot of clients tend to be, hey, I just purchased this property. It's new to them. Or we're, we're working with clients for multiple years and, and they're halfway through a transition of a property. Or um, they're, they're getting rid of one because, you know, they, they bought it and they want to um, 
get a, a larger farm or just sell it and move to a different one, whatever the case may be, we see the we see this whole process and, and the the long game of real estate. Um, and there's definitely things that we see good and bad that you need to be watching out for if you're in the business or if you are um, interested in purchasing land at any point in the game because um, you never know what what circumstances may come up and you might buy a place say I'm going to have this forever never know what could happen hopefully nothing bad but if that does happen you want to be able to get the most out of the property so that's why it's important to discuss what it is that you could do that would potentially hurt the value of reselling said property so we've got five different things basically subject line topics that are going to be able to hopefully steer you away from from doing these or not say not making them a priority in your management or the transition of a property because what we've seen um, or heard from complaints of whether it is you know showing people farms lots of buyers um, come through and they're like ah, I like this I don't like that feature and so basically these are the the top things that com- complain or but people say oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna put in an offer on this place but because it has X I'm only gonna offer this or I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not you know put in full asking price or I'm gonna you know knock off this much percent because now it makes me have to add money to the property because of decisions made prior to a purchase from the original seller original owner so we want to roll through these things and give you guys some some points to hopefully avoid down the road absolutely so five things that hurt resale value recreational property number one um personalized features there's a lot of things that this could go under, and, and we're going to use some of them that we've seen on properties, whether we're showing it on the real estate side or or a client has just purchased it on the consulting side and is now having to deal with this issue. Correct, correct. And, and this is kind of a, a something that's definitely applicable, even if you're selling residential real estate. You know, everyone says, you know, take your personal items, your family pictures, this and that off the walls. Um, you know, you want that person who comes to the property to be able to envision them, their family, enjoying it. So, you know, there are personal touches and things like that that you can do to the farm um, that may just result in, oh, I don't really like that feature about the property. One of them being um, that we've seen a lot is making custom shooting houses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, Again, Which sounds great, like yeah, and it's fun. There, there's no harm. There's no harm from from the an enjoyment aspect of it. And if you're buying a long term, like, hey, this is my forever property. Sure, you may not. I mean, that may be a great option for you. It may be really fun. But if you're buying a property for resale, you might want to think redneck. about <laughs> investing in in higher quality blinds, like a redneck blind, yeah. because those personalized ones you know the ones we've seen on in general they don't last many years and then you have this horrible eyesore scattered throughout the property could be could be a fantastic spot Could be a great location and 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 all that's fine but you know that next person may say oh i don't want to hunt out of that or it's just run down or it looks extremely run down because let's face it typically you're using scraps or you know whatever you have laying around the farm it could be rusty tin or or um 
two color tin from two different sheds that you put up at two different times a year. You, you know, you just you use what you have. But when 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 you're showing that property, it definitely sticks out as eh, not a, not a big fan because you have you have to look at it from the standpoint of the person who's going to be buying it. What are he they going to do with it? He doesn't know who built it. He no. doesn't know how you built it. He doesn't want to climb up into a suicide mission. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And I've been in some oh. rinkety dink ones that I know that scare the heck out of me. I think I still have the picture. I know which one we're gonna put up. Because there's been a couple that are like, Holy the crap. The one that was humongous. Do you remember I think it was up in uh Sedalia Sedalia. area. Yeah. The one that was green and it had a stove, it, yes, I think, in stove it. Stove by I don't know, twenty, twenty five foot up a tree. Yeah. It was incredible. But it, it, no, was, it was at least eight by eight. Yeah. And had some, it almost looked like a miniature 60 style house. Yeah. I probably um, had orange shag carpet up in it. And Whoa. I wouldn't get up there. But I, it, you'd that's have to the get thing, a, though. A, a, a tetanus shot. And yeah. A yeah. Hepatitis C shot just to try to survive that place. You know, what you have to consider with, with that aspect is, you know, that person coming in and buying it doesn't have the sentimental value with the blind. You know, I hunted out of it with my dad. They don't see that. They just look at it and say, that sticks out. That's an eyesore. Now it's going to, to cost me money to replace it, fix it, paint it, do whatever. Um, now they're looking at it and saying, that's that's time and resources um, that I'm going to have to put into the property. So if you have those blinds, again, it's not like you're going to, You'll lose a ton of property value on it, but it's certainly one of those things that could could ding you or hurt you. Um, another one, you know, that kind of falls in the category is um, old cabins and things like that too. You know, hunting camp. Gosh, how many times do we talk about hunting camp on yep. here? A lot. It is a great place to hang out. It is certainly fun, but again, there's a lot of sentimental value built into each hunting camp. And that new party or that new person who may want to come may not have that same goal in mind of, I want to share camp in a place like this. They may say, it's not that that building, that infrastructure there is not worth anything. And it's going to cost me money to either doze it, burn it, rebuild it, fix it up, whatever. Find somebody to drag it out of here. Yeah. Like if you haul in a double wide that looks terrible. And you're like, oh, this is hunting camp, and then you're planning on reselling it in a few years. It might not be a good option, right? It or may you, not be a, a good lot, idea. A lot of times, you see like uh, fifth wheels or trailers pulled into places. Um, they're or, just parked uh, and oh, left alone in the elements, un- unmaintained what or, is or it? poorly uh, maintained, not winterized well. EPA like uh, where uh, disaster disaster trailers mm-hmm. basically. Yep. Uh, you've seen those a lot, or cargo cargo, cargo containers yep. turned into something. It, Again, they have they have their place. We're ju- we're we're coming out again from if you were looking to sell your property, these are things that you may want to either remove or address or price accordingly on on a listing because someone is likely going to to ding you and not give you value out of it. Yeah. So, another one, personalized features. This was one that we saw on a property that um the the landowner had the idea, they at one point, they bought into the idea, I guess, probably before we realized how bad of an issue it was, but they'd planted autumn olives for a mile along the gravel road as a screen. And and so right along gravel road, you had 20 to 30 foot tall autumn olive trees, shrubs, bushes, nightmares. 
and all the seed that those trees produced ended up leading to younger autumn olives throughout the entire woodlot. The rest of the property. And it was a humongous, humongous headache for whoever bought that property. And so uh, that was definitely a um, an issue of a personalized touch that led to hurting the resale of the property. Yeah. Poor, poor decision of, of plant species for that screen, the personalized screening um, that right now, now someone going in is like, I'm going to have to work extremely hard yeah. to uh, remove, eradicate, manage all this mess that's on the property because someone else thought that it was a good idea. And I don't think anybody ever dreamed that autumn olive was going to be in, as invasive as it is. I don't think so. I was in Michigan this past week. That stuff was everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that was kind of the 90s thing, the 90s child. Yeah, um, yeah. And then Bradford Pear was kind of the 2000s child. Whatever is going to be the problematic species of... We don't want to know. Miscanthus grass was it's probably... Coming, it's coming on strong. Um, I mean, sure. down southeast, and our friend Tyler Ross over in North Carolina, he's been sending me some videos of miscanthus grass uh, it's basically the ornamental of chinese silver grass that people are planting in their yards is invading the landscapes um do you know what miscanthus gigantus it's a hybrid do you know what two types they're using to, to create that it's called sterile now bradford right. pear was sterile at, at the beginning as well right so that's what scares the heck out of me with miscanthus gigantus but it's chinese silver grass and I think it's a myrrh silvergrass mm-hmm. hybrid. It's like we have one that's that's a invasive that's now the the child that right. everybody's planting for screen. So it, it scares me. It makes me go, whew. Oof. What, what's this going to look like 10 years from now? Yeah. What are we going to know? I mean, hindsight 2020 and uh, looking back at Autumn Olive, terrible idea. Bradford Pear, terrible idea. Cerise Lespedita. Terrible idea. Multifloral Rose, terrible idea. Um, so many, so many things we brought in thinking this is the new thing and they've led to terrible results. Yeah. Um, so anyway, personalized features, eh -eh. definitely consider what you're doing. Next one, no income. Um, and that we're talking about recreational property. So we're not really talking about crop ground or tillable ground right now. We're talking about recreational properties. Generally speaking, uh, through most of the country, those are going to involve timber. Um, and, and so and, and timber are, still provides, there are some recreational properties that have, you know, some, maybe it's CRP payments or, or things like that, that could happen. Um, or there's programs available, but right. Works. Most of the time it's, it's a timber in, involved. And if it is crop, it's less than 50%. Yeah, certainly. Um, so it's something that somebody's bought for recreational use and they got the benefit of crop ground on it. Mm -hmm. We're talking about here specifically bad timber management practices. Right. So you have an area that at some point during your life or your kid's life or a future landowner's life that they're going to make some money. But we implement a bad timber management practice that completely removes any chance of making money and decreases our chances of making money anytime in the future. So a buyer coming on, he's going, I hope I live long enough just to make money off mm -hmm. of that. I'm not interested. And specifically to me, hinge cutting comes to mind on that. Going into an entire woodlot and hinge cutting marketable timber or timber that's going to be marketable in the next 20 years. Yep. 
Yep, and, and that's the thing. You know, you just just think ahead. Think think ahead of of you know, I may not have this forever. How do you want to leave it to the next person? Because again, even if you're buying it from a recreational standpoint, not not from an investment standpoint, you still want the opportunity. Maybe maybe it's going to help you. You know, make payments for the first couple of years, or or you know, ten years down the road, you've you've got the ability to manage the habitat, um, and that does involve a timber harvest, which helps you know make make some payments. It all again down the road um, affects that um, value of the property of how much I'm going to put forward when you're selling it. Yes. So someone's gonna so again, someone's gonna ding you for it if you're trying to get. Um, you, you know, X amount out of it, and you don't have any uh, timber on it. They're go they're gonna start looking at other properties that have the potential of timber and making that comparison. Oh, is this priced accordingly? You know, how much standing timber is on it on this other comparable property? Oh, it's the same price. Well, they're probably gonna go with the other one because they know value is is actually there on those acres versus your property. Absolutely. So there you go. Income potential does make a difference still even on recreational properties. Yep. All right, number three, access issues. Oh, gosh. So we see this one all the time. This could be that the only way to get into the property is in the very northwest corner. Um, So during hunting season, when we all dream of that famous northwest wind and you've got to walk in with the wind at your back, I'm going to the next property. Um, So uh, you're trying to maximize your access. So looking for properties that have multiple access points or ro- a good road system. Um, if if you have a good road system and things happen, you don't maintain it, you let those roads grow up, it now lowers the property value, especially in recreational use. That's one of the biggest things we preach to our clients is finding properties with great access. So um, although gravel roads scare the heck out of us um, sometimes, man, it sure is nice to have gravel road all the way around your property. The access is definitely one of those things that you you have to consider um, big time, big time from, uh, you know, initially, is this the right one? Can I make it work? Um, Can I, can I then, if, even if I have one access um, point on the farm, is there the ability to have a good internal road system? Um, Can I compensate for that? Does that cost money? All these things. Creeks are wonderful. A lot of people like live water, but creek crossings do play a part so if most of your property sits on the other side of the creek that hurts resale i just experienced this two weeks ago i went to a property and the creek was right behind the house and all the big pasture was across the creek and the guy said no way not risking it yep because what happens when you have i know this is this is off off topic from recreation but livestock you can't go check them same thing if if you have a time to hunt spring turkey season you can get big rains you might not be able to just drive to the property you might have to float across a stream or float across a river because you do have those spring rains or flash floods where gosh it's inaccessible um and that's the the thing about bottom ground too bottom ground raises value but at the same time with some people it man it it could be tough to manage and access around absolutely so another one being long easements um, I think of a property that we worked a couple years ago that had a very long easement back through some national forest, rough as a corn cob. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. One. Yes. Um, that definitely could hurt resale value. It's going to take uh, the pool of buyers gets smaller if you're down a long easement because some people may say, I'd 
by the time I get here, I'm already wore out just trying to get here. Like, I, I want something I can get to quickly. So long easements could hurt you. Is if there's a good road, that's a lot better. <laughs> but if you have a long easement, like you said, bumping like that, going down a road, trying to just get to a property, it wears people out. It puts them in a bad mood because their teeth are chattering. They're trying not to bite their tongue as they're going down this crummy, crummy road. There, there's, there's a lot to be said about remote properties, and there's, you know, that can be good. But honestly, someone's some of the ones that are easiest to get to hunt that much better and sell that much faster because they're not yep. dealing with all these. You think about it, how many times or how many more opportunities the longer you go um, down a woods road is there for a tree to fall across? You know, you hit the right windstorm. Now you got or work you, to just get back into the property. Or you get hurt on the property. How long is it to mm-hmm. a hospital and to help? Or another thing that could hurt on this access, let's just say cell phone reception too. Oh, yeah. That's a good, another good one. Yep. Um, some people love not having cell service um, because nobody can connect with them when they're out there. But at the same time, I think you need it on parts of your property, For at sure. least 50%. <clears throat> For sure. Um, so there you go. Access issue being a huge part, uh, problematic resale value. Erosion control, we forgot to mention that, Um, or erosion issues. So a lot of your roads are eroding. You're in clay country and you're not shaping the roads correctly. A new buyer is going, oh, I'm going to have to dump so much into getting a dozer out here um, to resurface this road. I've got to bring in gravel. Erosion is an issue. For sure. Next one. That one well, yeah. Neighborhood and... um, developed relationships with neighbors i think that especially with this one there's there says a lot when when the seller of a property can go around when asked say oh yeah i know that neighbor he's great he does this this and this he's got this many kids um they come over they've they've helped me out or you know that neighbor to the south yeah he's he's great um didn't get out much anymore, but I, I like him. I don't have any issues with him. If you don't have established relationships with neighbors and can speak on them and, let's say, their behavior, how they utilize the land, if they're nice, if they're cordial, whatever, then the red flags kind of come up. Why don't you know your neighbors? Is there an issue? Am I buying something that, oh, you know, there's preconceived notions about what's happening on this property or the other properties that are surrounding me? Do I need to be leery of the people to the west of me? Um so when when everyone asks, you know, how are the neighbors here to every property? Um, I think, when again, when a seller has, oh, I know them, very educated, long stories about people, that puts them at ease, anybody. Yep. And, and if there's issues right out the gate, they're going to dock you for it. Um, we showed there's a property not far. I think we've actually talked about it on the podcast here before. Um, priced really well. Um, but it sat on the market for a long time. And one of the issues I think about it is it's down a gravel road. Um, but as soon as you get to rate, right, right about as you get to the property, there's a neighbor there um, who I don't think he believes in oh trash disposal. And there's just a lot. Well, he I does mean, just throw it out. the. It's just the, the front window. yard yeah. is, is, is the, the local trash bin. And um, it's it's an eyesore, and, yeah. and that's everyone's first impression and last impression as they leave the property is, I'm gonna have to deal with that. I'm gonna have to see that. He may be a great person. I don't know him personally, but it's those things that people are are always thinking about, and they definitely evaluate when they're thinking about 
buying a farm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next one. Last one. Final. Conservation easements. Someone's like, what? I thought you guys talked about conservation easements, how good they can be. They, they can be great, and they great. can be terrible. Absolutely. It all depends on the easements, the way they're written and everything. Um, and and this this podcast, again, though, is what hurts your resale value. The whole idea. Well, you idea, sounded like me when you said sale right there. You said resale. Really? Yeah. A little twang twang? You're starting to pick up a Ozark it's accent. It's because I've been up since 315. I'm getting lazy. <laughs> um, so you're immediately with a conservation easement, you are selling that property and its developmental rights in many instances. You're removing that potential down the road. So again, the property's value itself has gone down because of a conservation easement. So again, not all of them are permanent. Some of them are time period. Um, but you have to realize that if, if you if you are going to sell, the value at which you can sell that property will be decreased. But that may work for some people in some instances. To it's me, fine. I always say this is where conservation easements, I, I like them and I, and I consider them as if it's a property that's most likely never going to be developed or it's an, a property that you're going to own forever and you're trying to create a tax break um, or you're trying to make that, that payment a lot cheaper because you may just get paid per acre to, to enter into this conservation easement because a lot of them that we see go on forever mm -hmm. and so um, and you can enter building envelopes and, and get percentages of the property to where you can build cabins and and do your thing but really uh, most of them are designed to prevent any i take all the timber out and turn it into crop field take all the timber out turn it into pasture uh, put condos on it put up a gas station whatever it may be you're trying to conserve that land and preserve it um, or or restore it into something beneficial to the wildlife and to the overall land health. Um, so conservation easements are great if you're looking to, I'm going to be here forever and I want this to be just like it is forever. But if you're in an area, let's say you're close to a city or you're close to a, a, a town that is starting to grow and you put it into a conservation easement and you're like, boy, this is awesome. I bought this property at $600 an acre or $2,000 an acre. I put it in a conservation easement to make the payments, and down the road I'm going to sell it and make some money off of it. Don't think that the property value is going to increase like the rest of it around you because no, they can't. because you can't. They're bound. They won't be able to do things on it that the neighboring properties um, would be able to. So conservation easements are great but they're also terrible depending on which situation you're in and and that's the thing not every property you know short term long term though even is developable developable <laughs> developable yeah i, I don't know i don't know how many able i said in that but y'all y'all get it um so so at that point you know if if that's if that's the case with the property then Shoot, you're not losing anything because it's not going again, it's still not gonna have the value that maybe neighboring properties will bring because you can't develop it. So right, just sell them off and move on and get some money back in your pocket. Um, but again, you have to know that that is a potential down the road that you're not gonna have the same value. It's not gonna be equal. Um, but every circumstance, every situation, every property has um, you know has its ability for this to be applicable. Anyhow. I think that sums up. Yep, that gets it. Most of the uh, the five ways that are going to hurt the resale value of recreational land. 
Um, hopefully that's kind of insightful for you guys. You learned a little bit and learned what not to do or to do in your given situations. Got any questions real estate wise, just let us know. Be happy to help you out. Um, contact us at info at landlandlegacy.tv. Appreciate you guys listening. Take care. See ya.